There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef. Today we're talking about children's food allergies, and with us today we have Associate Staff in the Department of Pediatric Allergy and Clinical Immuno Immunology, Dr. Jacqueline Bajalik. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, I'll give you a few moments to introduce yourself to our viewers. So I'm a physician at the Cleveland Clinic, um, as Nada mentioned, in the Department of Pediatric Allergy and Immunology. I actually see adult and pediatric patients. I've been on staff here for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, one of my passions is food allergy, so really excited to be in this session today. Great, thank you so much. And before we begin, please remember this is for informational purposes only and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So I'm gonna go ahead and start with what are food allergies? Yeah, so a very important question for this mm -hmm. session, of course. Yes. So food allergy is an inappropriate immune response to a food when you're exposed to it. So when someone eats a food, for example, like a peanut, your body responds inappropriately. Your immune system says, this is dangerous, mm -hmm. even though we really know that it's not. And that sets off a cascade of events in the body that causes symptoms of an allergic reaction mm -hmm. and can even result in severe symptoms that we call anaphylaxis. Okay, great. So what is the difference between a food allergy and a food intolerance? That's a really good question. So we're learning a lot about what happens to our body when we eat a food. So of course you can have food allergy, which is what we primarily deal with in the allergy clinic, which are immediate reactions to a food because of the immune system, like we just talked about. Many people can have intolerances to foods, like lactose intolerance, mm -hmm. for example. There are people who have non-celiac disease gluten intolerance. Um, there are people with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune condition when you eat wheat, for example. So, you know, you can have lots of different symptoms when you eat a food, but what we focus on in our allergy clinic are food allergies that result because of the immune system's inappropriate response to the food. Right, right, all right. Well, per the CDC, it seems like there are way more children with food allergies nowadays than ever before. Why is that? Or why do you think that? Is? Yeah, so it's a really unfortunate trend mm -hmm. um, and one that's being examined really closely. Nobody knows for sure if I knew, you know, the one reason why I'd have a Nobel Prize. Yes. And, <laughs> spoiler alert, I wouldn't be at work today. But um, we think that it's uh, multifactorial, lots of different things. We know that um, genetics probably plays a significant mm -hmm. role. A lot of times people with food allergies, their siblings have food allergies or even their parents. It's probably some environmental exposures, things that are being looked at are antibiotic use, um, and also lack of exposures, you know, the whole hygiene hypothesis probably has a lot of merit. So it's probably a number of different things that sort of created this perfect storm where unfortunately a number of us are now suffering from food allergy. Now when you say lack of exposure, can you go a little bit in detail? Yeah, so, um, you know, really we're very lucky because in our country and in most places, 
we aren't fighting off parasites mm -hmm. or you know infections that our immune systems used to be kept very busy doing. So there's something called the hygiene hypothesis where our immune systems were a little bored. So they're inappropriately responding to things that aren't dangerous because they're not being kept busy fighting off infections and diseases as they were before. Wow, very interesting. So why do some children um, get severe allergies to food while others don't? Another Nobel Prize question. Yeah, so <laughs> it's probably, you know, like I mentioned, a combination of things. And sometimes we can't find a reason. We want to always reassure parents that we don't think it's anything that you did or didn't do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these things happen. The important thing is if you suspect a food allergy to get it checked out so we can keep your kids safe. Can we list some of the foods that trigger in the pediatric age group are actually milk and egg. Yeah. Peanuts are important. Tree nuts are common food allergy triggers. Soy, mm -hmm. wheat, um, fish and shellfish. And then sesame is an emerging concern, particularly in our country. And the um, FDA has recently had a proposal to now include sesame on food allergy labeling, mm -hmm. similar to what you see in the grocery store on labels for milk and egg. Wow. Which is Very great. interesting. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so what are the symptoms of a food allergy on a child? Like what, what, to, what to watch for? Yeah, so typically within minutes up to a few hours, though that would be exceedingly rare after eating a particular food, food allergy symptoms vary person to person, but they can be things like mouth itching, a child telling you that their throat really hurts or itches, mm -hmm. stomach upset, vomiting, diarrhea, hives. We get very concerned with trouble breathing, um, a change in a child's voice. Those sorts of things can indicate more serious reactions. Very rarely, but potentially, you can experience a drop in blood pressure. Um, you know, and potentially, food allergy reactions can be fatal, but that's luckily very, very rare. Okay, good. And what to do when you first notice a food allergy, like you just mentioned? Yeah, so food allergy reactions are always very concerning, and parents tell me just how scared they were the right. first time it happened, and that's so understandable. Because sure. um, even when we expect it in the allergy clinic, it still, you know, is disconcerting. We respect food allergy reactions and take them seriously. So if you have reason to suspect that your child is having a food allergy reaction, take a deep breath. You know your child better than anyone else in the world. If you are really truly worried, get them to an emergency room. Call EMS, tell them that you have a child who's potentially having a food allergy reaction so they send the right kind of emergency medical services to your home. Or if you live within reasonable driving distance to a hospital, just get them there quickly yourselves. Very mild reactions can sometimes be treated with antihistamines, things like Benadryl and Zyrtec, which can just help you feel better as the reaction goes away on its own. Yeah. But anything more serious, we recommend epinephrine. And of course, if you don't have a prescription for one, that requires emergency medical services. Okay, well, that was my going to be question later on, but since you brought it up, I'm going to talk <laughs> Sorry about to get ahead, it. Nada. No, you're good. What does epinephrine do? Yeah. The injection itself, right? It's an injection, like an yeah. EpiPen? So, exactly. So, self Self-injectable epinephrine comes in a couple of different um, devices. Probably most familiar and recognizable in the United States is the EpiPen, or it's generic. There's also the AviQ, AdrenaClick, and some others. 
So these are injections that go into a muscle. And what epinephrine is, you know, very simply is a shot of adrenaline. Mm. And it works to counteract some of the things going on inside your body that can cause that food allergy um, reaction to get much worse. I see. Okay. Now, can a sever the severity of a person's allergic re reactions to food be predicted by their previous reactions? So okay, is that it always is, the same? That is an excellent question. And the short answer is no. no. Um, we wish we had a better way to predict severity. Of course, if someone has had a severe reaction in the past, they're far more likely to have a severe reaction in the future. But many times patients who have very mild reactions can progress to more severe reactions on their next exposure. Mm -hmm. That being said, sometimes someone who had a severe reaction may not have quite a severe reaction the next time, but we just don't know for sure. Okay. So what would be like the best way to cope with a food allergy? If you're having like a mild food allergy, but you still like the food a lot, should we just stay away from it because it doesn't like your body? Yeah. So... Yeah. How to cope with food allergy is a really big question, and it involves a lot of really important components. This is very impactful on children and their families. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you definitely need the help of a board-certified allergist, immunologist, mm -hmm. to help you through this. So what I recommend to families when we have a new diagnosis in clinic, the first visit, we really just talk a lot. We talked about strictly avoiding your food allergen, which isn't as simple as saying, oh, I'm just not going to drink milk. If you're milk allergic, for example, you have to avoid, avoid all forms of that food. So you have to learn how to read labels, and there are a number of amazing resources um, to help you do that, including your allergist. Um, but then, you know, so we're avoiding the food, but then we have to be prepared for accidents. Like in the real world, accidents happen. So your allergist should go over a food allergy action plan with you, what to do if you're having symptoms of an allergic reaction. And your allergist can help go through symptoms that can be managed with antihistamines or symptoms for which you should just give and go, give epinephrine and go to the emergency room. Okay, great. Now, is there any correlation between introducing certain types of feed too early or too late? A baby. This is a great question. question. Yes, yeah, so this is a really great question, and I want to back up a little bit. So, when we were growing up, not of the recommendations, you know, because of what we knew at the time, was to delay introduction of some of these allergenic foods, most notably peanut. And then we were seeing an increase in food allergy, like within a generation. Mm -hmm. And some very smart researchers noticed that Israeli children have very little peanut allergy, and they said why. So in Israel, there's a little snack called bambas, and I sort of anecdotally call it the Cheerios of Israel. It's a little puff that's almost, it looks like kicks. That's okay. a peanut butter snack. Oh. So instead, like in this country, you know, people get Cheerios when they're yes. little with some of their first finger foods. One of your first finger foods was bamba. So these very, very smart researchers said, is do they have less allergy because they're eating the food earlier? So then um, a landmark study was done called Learning Early About Peanut or the LEAP study. And they took kids who were at very high risk of developing peanut allergy, either because they had a sibling with peanut allergy or very severe eczema, which are both risk factors for development of food allergy of any type, not just peanut. And they broke them into two groups. And they had one of the groups eat peanut early in life and one of the groups not eat peanut, just avoid it. And they saw a dramatic reduction in the incidence of food allergy in those who were eating it early, about a 70% reduction. Now, how early is early? 
like four to six months of age. Really? Wow. Yeah. So people say, how am I going to get peanut into my six month old? So there are guidelines now that have come out because of this study. It's completely changed the way that we practice allergy. And I don't say that lightly. So now, you know, we're learning that as you eat the food, your body's learning that it's safe to do that that food is safe as opposed to avoiding it where your immune system might say later on we haven't seen this before this This might be dangerous right so there are guidelines so you know talk to your pediatrician about if a referral to an allergist is appropriate for you and we always want to talk to our pediatricians before introducing foods to anyone but there are some infants who are candidates to start eating these foods very early only food that you need to avoid in the first year of life is honey and that's not an allergy concern it's for botulism so your kids can eat what you're eating obviously different textures are a concern so you want to do it in a safe way so in addition to bombas there's peanut butter powders and other forms of foods that are still safe for infants and very young children so you can see this stuff in stores it's not like oh yeah not off the shelf right next to the peanut butter in the aisle (laughs) yes you would know so is there a treatment that can stop the body from reacting the way it does beforehand yeah good question so you know up until about 10 years ago we just had to say you have a food allergy, don't eat the food, here's your EpiPen, I'll see you in a year. And I'm lucky that you know I'm practicing in a time where we say that's not good enough. So there are many researchers and even practitioners now who are offering treatments for food allergy. None of these are FDA approved at this time, but they are becoming more widely available. One of the more promising treatments is something called oral immunotherapy. This is something that is only done under the direction of a trained allergy immunology physician. Mm -hmm. And basically, through the process, you're training your immune system to not overreact to the food anymore. So there's lots of promising treatments out there. If you are a family who has food allergy in your home, I really encourage you to talk to your allergist about treatments that are coming out. Some may be offered in your area and Mm -hmm. talk to them if you might be a candidate. Great. So how about um, pregnant moms? Can a pregnant mom check if her child's going to be allergic to something before? Great question. So there's lots of testing that we can do now when we're pregnant. Um, But food allergy is not one of them, nor should it be. Without a history concerning for a possible food allergy reaction, food allergy testing can honestly cause more harm than good. Food allergy testing is designed to show are you sensitive to something or not, and many people who even show sensitivity to foods on this testing can eat the food without a problem. So we really try and be very careful about tests that we select because to me there could be very little worse in my allergy clinic than saying you need to avoid this food and have that be unnecessary. So like I empathize with families who have these questions, talk to your doctor if your kid's at risk for food allergy, if testing before introduction might be for you. But we're designed to eat food. We don't need to medicalize how we feed our kids. Just let them eat. (laughs) Just let them eat their food, yes. So if mom and dad have allergies to food, various, is it likely that the child would have the same? I know you talked about genetics. So it's more likely, but it's not a given. And for those families in particular, I would encourage that they introduce, you know, those food allergens early in a child's life. Of course, keeping in mind that we want to be conscientious if it's a risk to the parent to have that food in the house or be handling that food, we don't recommend that. Okay, great. Now, can you outgrow an allergy? Yes. Yeah. Thankfully. Okay. Most kids, and it depends on the allergen. Some allergens, it seems that we outgrow. 
Um, kids tend to outgrow milk and egg, whereas peanuts and tree nuts are less likely to be outgrown. Okay. You can develop allergy later in life as an adult, um, but most allergy does manifest itself in childhood. I was going to ask about that. I have a family member that, um, you know, I'm absolutely addicted to milk. Every single day, cups of milk, and now completely cannot touch it. Oh, so sorry, you can that. also get allergies. You can't. It's not common. There's no but reason? It's... I mean, it's, it's just you took too much of it? Or... No, Is there a reason why we don't you think that it's that you took too much. <laughs> Maybe there's something else going on, yeah. um, you know, that needs to be explored that's kind of affecting how their immune system's functioning. But okay. really, we just don't understand that so much more that needs to be explored and lots of research is being done in the field. So if my child uh, was allergic at one point to a certain type of food, and now we're starting to see a change, is it okay to start reintroducing small amounts of that food, or is that dangerous? So we never want to do it without consulting first with your allergist, and likely we would do some testing and talk about what symptoms were. And, you know, different allergists have different practices. Yeah. I tend to be aggressive if the parent really wants to know, is my child still allergic? And we don't think that there's unnecessary risk we try the food in the office in a controlled setting where we can intervene if any symptoms occur. Sounds good, great. All right, well, we're getting some questions. Okay. So I'm gonna go ahead and go to Lynn. Um, Lynn asks, can food allergies be inherited? If I'm allergic to peanuts, for example, will my child be more likely to be allergic? That's a really great question, Lynn. Um, so we know that genes play an important role in the development of allergy, any type of allergy, food allergies, environmental allergies, kids with eczema are more likely to have parents who had eczema, but the specific allergen is not heritable in that way. Mm -hmm. So if you have peanut allergy, for example, your child's more likely to have a food allergy, but not necessarily to peanuts. I see. Okay, very good to know. And Emily, my daughter had serum sickness. In response to penicillin, should we have allergy testing for this? And I guess I'll have you explain what serum sickness <laughs> is. I've never heard of it. Yeah, so Emily, that's a really good question. So I would talk to your pediatrician about it just to touch on what serum sickness is. It's a type of inappropriate immune response, sometimes to an infection, sometimes to a medication. Mm -hmm. We don't have any validated testing to assess if you would get serum sickness again if a penicillin was used. So talk to your doctor about what your other alternatives are and see an allergist if you guys feel like penicillins are really needed. Okay, great. And then Kristen, can you explain the difference between different allergy tests? I've heard there are mail order tests, scratch tests, or blood tests. Which one is best? Which one is best? <laughs> so you're right in that there's a couple of different tests. I want to take a moment just to caution against any mail order tests because of the reasons that we spoke about before. Interpreting allergy tests is actually very difficult. Um, you know, allergists and immunologists go through a lot of training and have experience in interpreting these tests. What I would hate to happen is you send off this mail order test and get some really unexpected positives and it creates some unnecessary fear and difficulty in your life. Um, so any allergy testing should be under the direction of a physician. Mm -hmm. Many primary care physicians feel comfortable ordering preliminary testing. Typically outside of an allergy office, that's always blood testing. Okay. Blood testing is measuring the level of your allergy antibody, which is what's responsible for allergic reactions, mm -hmm. to a given food in your body. It shows sensitivity to mm -hmm. a food. So it tells us, you know, it's for some foods, we know how likely based on certain levels it would be for you to have a reaction if you ate the food. 
Skin testing is more immediate. We do it in the allergist's office, and it's a really good yes or no test. A no test, if you have no reaction on skin testing, is associated with a pretty low likelihood of reaction to a food. So it's a really great no test. If it does show sensitivity, typically an allergist would follow that up with some blood testing to help with risk stratification. So the short answer to the question of which test is best, the answer is it depends okay. on what the scenario is. So what's a scratch test? Is that the same a thing? A scratch skin? test, yes. So a okay. skin test. So we say scratch because um, you place a drop of liquid on the skin, and that drop of liquid has the relevant allergen in it, and you lightly scratch through to just disturb the top level of the oh. skin. It's almost like if somebody scratched you through with a nail. You don't feel a pain, um, and we're allergists. We don't want to see your blood. Yeah. <laughs> the hardest part is that some of those spots on your back when we do the test could could get pretty itchy. Oh, um, and that's so what hard. we're looking for. That's why they're for. starting to do the arms. Is yes. that like anything? So we put it on the back a lot of times so kids can't reach, but a lot of the cells that we need are on your back, but some can be on the arm too. So depending on how many tests you're getting at a certain time or how old you are, if you yeah. can not scratch, yeah, um, it might be on your back or on your Oh, this is very informative. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Now, Melissa asks, um, my mom worries about dark circles under my son's eyes. She thinks it's an allergy. Is this something to be worried about? Great question. So dark circles under the eyes can be from a number of different things. Um, what we worry about is that kind of the blood's not draining properly. Mm -hmm. That could be because your nose is stuffy. A stuffy nose can be because of a number of different things. Right. You know, in a very acute setting, your nose can get stuffy if you're having a food allergy reaction. But a nose that's stuffy all the time, yeah. unless you're like continually eating the food, isn't because of a food. Okay. So it could be environmental allergy. In mm -hmm. kids, we also worry about having large adenoids or other things. Some people just naturally have more visibility in that blood underneath your eye pocket. So I would talk to your doctor and see if based on other symptoms or other conditions your child has, if allergy testing might be appropriate. So she should go to a pediatrician. Yeah. Okay. Pediatricians are an amazing resource to kind of help figure out what might be going on. And if they think that there might be an allergy involved, then they can make the appropriate referral. Perfect. Thank you. All right. And then Jill, when do I know if symptoms are concerning enough to get checked out or warrant avoiding the food? Specifically, my daughter gets an itchy mouth when she has fruit. Should we avoid feeding her those fruits or there is a way to get her system used to that fruit? Or is it just not worth the risk of possible dangerous reaction? I just want to know what to do. So my short answer is, as a parent, you know your child better than anyone in the world. If you are worried, you should get it checked out. The interesting thing, and I you know, don't want to say that this is what's happening, but some people who have food reactions like an itchy mouth just with fresh forms of fruit might actually have a primary allergen to a pollen, like mm. a tree pollen. And the proteins in those pollens look very similar to the proteins and fresh forms of the fruit. So the common situation that we see in clinic is someone comes in and they say, when I eat fresh apples, my mouth is itchy, but I can eat apple pie, no problem. And that is sort of the like defining characteristic of something called pollen food allergy syndrome. So of course, if you're having symptoms due to a food, I recommend that you see your doctor and they can help determine if it sounds like it's an allergy that's concerning or something to be looked at. Better safe than sorry. Sure. If you're worried and you're having symptoms with food, 
we just want to help you be safe and we're happy to talk to you and do any testing that might be appropriate. Great. And then Gene, um, can a seven month old be so allergic to food that he instantly breaks out with hives? Also, can it cause him to vomit? Yes. Oh, all right, short and sweet. <laughs> so, so you can have a food allergy at any point. Um, very few children who are exclusively breastfed have reactions to foods, but as we start to introduce foods, then you can react at any point in your life. So we sometimes see very, very young children with food allergy reactions. If your child's having any symptoms related to food, you should see your doctor right away. Could this be something that's not food related, like reflux, of course, but if you're worried about a food, it's something that we need to check out immediately. Okay, great. And then Christine, at what age would you recommend starting allergy shots? My five-year-old had a pretty difficult spring and her allergist mentioned starting shots in the near future as she has many environmental allergies. Sorry to hear about that, Christine. That's no good. And, you know, when your kid's five years old, you want them to be able to go outside and play and enjoy their time being little. And environmental allergy can make that really difficult. So allergy shots right now are for environmental allergies only. Since we're in a food allergy thing, I want to make that very clear. Yes, if anyone's you. offering you shots for food, please decline and leave. <laughs> so environmental allergy shots can be really helpful in reducing symptoms related to that allergy. Mm -hmm. I have kids as young as four on it. I don't do that lightly. It's very patient dependent, very family dependent. Talk to your doctor about what's involved and see if that might be right for your child to kind of reach your guys' healthcare goals. Okay, great. And then Dan, how do you know if oral immunotherapy is right for your child? So I think it's important to just talk to your allergist. If they don't feel like they know enough about oral immunotherapy, ask them for a referral to someone close by who might be willing to meet you for a consultation. The only way to know if OIT is right for your child is to learn about it mm -hmm. and then decide if it's right for you and your family. Right. All right. Well, we are actually out of time, but is there anything that we have not touched on that you wanted to talk about? Because I know we haven't talked a whole lot about it. Yeah, well, I think this has been great. Time flies, when, time flies when you're having fun. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just think that food allergy is one of those things that we're learning so much about. As parents, we just want to do what's best for our kids. If you're worried, please ask your doctor. And then as a pediatric allergist, we're always happy to meet with you, even if it's just to provide reassurance. You should never feel like you're wasting our time. It's our job to help you feel good about what you feed your kids. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for being here. It was very, my very pleasure. informative it session. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having <laughs> sure me. Sure thing. And thank you for watching or listening. We hope you found this very helpful and informative as I did. And if you'd like to make an appointment with Dr. Jacqueline Dijalik, uh, please call 216-444-KIDS. That's 216-444-5437. Or visit us at clevelandclinicchildrens.org for more information. And for more health news information from Cleveland Clinic, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, one word. And we'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.